When you love riding a motorcycle, you want to ride it everywhere, even to a physical. Let's check your weight. Hop on the scale. Look at that. You're down a few pounds. Oh, yeah. Must be the new carbon fiber wheels. And when you love saving money, you want to save even more. That's why GEICO makes it easy to bundle your motorcycle and car insurance. I'm going to prescribe 91 octane for your engine knock, and we'll want to see you again in 3,000 miles. Kickstart your savings with GEICO Motorcycle. Bundle and save on the things you love. From the basement of the Bob and Tom Studios, it's that Josh Arnold podcast. Well, well, well. (laughs) Hello. How the heck are you? My goodness. If it isn't March already, can you believe it? Man, oh man. Time sure do fly down. Oi. First week of March. Tomorrow, March 3rd, my youngest brother Joe, it's his birthday. Joe, Joe, Joey, Joseph. Old Joey Wednesday. Happy birthday, Joe. Um, I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I wish Joe were here today. He'd be excited. I know I am. Why? Well, it's because of the incredible guest that we nabbed for this week's podcast. Uh, boy, so happy to have them here. I uh, was talking a bit with them uh, backstage, and uh, man, oh man, they look good. Of course, this week's guest... Is you! Oh, how the heck are you? Man, you look good. I hope you're feeling good as well. If, uh, well, if you're a first-time guest with us, uh, welcome. If you've been here before, welcome back. Thank you for returning. Uh, should be a, a nice little visit today. Um, we've got a terrific sponsor. Man, oh, man. Just uh, <laughs> just a great, a great sponsor this week. This week's sponsor, Shade. Oh, don't you love Shade on a on a real hot summer's day? Man, oh man, let's say you're you're working out in the field or you're mowing your lawn or whatever and well, there's a there's a big tree off in the little bit off in the distance. Well, you walk yourself over to that tree, you sit down under the the shady branches. Ah, that feel it's it's cooler under in that shade, isn't it? It certainly is. And that's that's one of uh Shade's Main attributes, I say, uh, a little cooler <laughs> than it is out <laughs> under the direct sunlight. And, uh, well, sometimes that sunlight gets a bit bright, doesn't it? And you want to you wanna give your eyes a break? Well, why don't you find yourself some shade? Oh, it's going to be cooler. You're going to be able to see better. Just relax. Uh, maybe uh, it's not uh, shade from nature at all. Maybe it's artificial shade. Maybe you've got... Some of those, uh, like oh, that that retractable awning. Oh, boy. Uh, if you've got it, I sure am envious. That's nice, right? Sitting out on your back porch or deck. Oh, boy, it's a bit bright and hot. Well, we've got the retractable awning. Let's, uh, right now it's retracted. Let's go ahead and uh, tract that awning. <laughs> Get it over our heads. Things will be a little nicer. Thank you, Shade. For sponsoring this week's podcast, I hope you enjoy some shade soon. And uh, I, I didn't even bring up throwing shade. I mean, that's something that 
that the kids will do, right? They'll talk about, or at least they did a couple years ago. I don't know if throwing shade is still a thing. That's when you're uh, a little cold with somebody. You, uh, you're giving them the cold shoulder or, or you're, you're throwing shade their way. That's why people listen to that Josh Arnold podcast. To learn what the kids are saying. <laughs> I mentioned last week that, oh, hi, Shelly. By the way, I, I found out her name. The lady that works down here in the basement every now and again. Well, she's over there messing with some some banker's boxes full of files. Uh, her name is Shelly. I had to find out from somebody else. Hey, Shelly. Wow. Wow. Uh, threw me so much shade just now, and I'm I yes, I'm gonna say it loud enough for you to hear, Shell. I, I don't know what I did to anger you, but I don't think I deserve this this kind of shade. Well, uh, look at that. Just turned her back, acting like she can't hear me, pretending I'm not. Oh, she's got um, she's got earbuds in. She literally did not hear me. She's not throwing shade at all. Well, if she takes those off. Uh, out of her, out of her head, I will uh, say hi to Shelley. In the meantime, uh, I mentioned last week that there's some construction going on uh, in and around Vocabulary Station. It's being torn down. Um, still in the process of uh, changing uh, Vocabulary Station to. Uh, well, you know what? I'm still going to keep it a surprise. I don't think I mentioned last week exactly what's happening, but. Uh, I see that the train is here. We should hop on board and head to the uh, under construction vocabulary station. Ah, boy, oh boy. Pardon our dust indeed, but I'm excited to see what uh, is being built uh, up around vocab station. Vocab stash, I like to call it. Uh, say it's a little time. <laughs> uh, boy, this is a fun word this week. A fun one. Bugaboo. Some of you are probably familiar with this word. Bugaboo. Jason, are you familiar with bugaboo? Oh, he is. He is. All right. Um, I, I've always loved this word. Uh, if it's new to you, I think you'll get a kick out of it. Bugaboo is a noun, uh, and it, it, it essentially means... Um, an imaginary scary thing. So some sort of uh, object of fear that isn't real. Uh, the boogeyman, I guarantee, I didn't do my research on this. Uh, you know, boog and bug are awfully close. I bet uh, there's some root word in there somewhere that means fear or uh, or maybe even imaginary. But bugaboo. So uh, if you hear a noise in your room one night, maybe it's late at night and... Uh, uh, you hear something in the hallway. Well, what the heck was that? Was that? Is there a bugaboo out there? Uh, bugbear is also synonymous with bugaboo. They're almost the same thing. You could say bugbear if you prefer. B-U-G-B-E-A-R. Oh, I'm, I'm terrified of that bugbear out there. Bugbear can also refer to, I think, more than a bugaboo can. Well, uh, I guess they're both uh, applicable here. For something that you're afraid of that's fairly unreasonable. You don't need to be as afraid of it as uh, you might be. It's sort of blown out of proportion, your 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 fear of this thing. So let's say um, going to the dentist is uh, somewhat of a bugbear for you. Eh, maybe it's not as scary as, as you built up in your head, that kind of thing. But I think it's more of an object, maybe, maybe not necessarily 
in an event. So, um, well, let's say you're terrified of pancakes. Oh boy, I can't imagine that would be te- that would be awful to be terrified of pancakes. But let's say they just really make you nervous. No, that's certainly a bugbear, isn't it? You don't need to be afraid of those. I don't care what happened in your past. You may have been slapped with a pancake before, or um, maybe uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps you had a uh, a pet bird. And it flew <laughs> flew onto a stack of pancakes that had been sitting out for a while. And boy, if its uh, talons didn't get caught in that syrup, and it died. <laughs> I think you thought maybe. What's making me laugh here is that you may have thought I was going to be gentler uh, with that story. But no, it just flat out died. Um, oh, and not in a good way. I mean, it wasn't a gentle death. It tried to bite off its own talons first. And uh, that wasn't pleasant. And then it fell, uh, writhing in pain. And uh, its wings got caught in the syrup, too. And, oh, boy, if it wasn't just, I mean, just agonizing, this poor, poor big bird. I guess I could understand if that happened and you witnessed such a thing. Uh, pancakes might be uh, not so much a bugbear, something to actually be afraid of. Uh, they... <laughs> I'm going to guess I lost 15% of you there. That 15% of you uh, left the podcast, which is okay. Hey, look, it's going to happen. Not every one of these is going to be a home run, all right? (laughs) Bugaboo. Use it this week. Use it. It's a fun word to say, isn't it? Bugaboo. Uh, Pronounced exactly how it's spelled. B-U-G-A-B-O-O. Bugaboo. Maybe there's a bugaboo in your house, and you might need uh, some help with that. I certainly enjoy that word. And right now, I'd like to tell you, I didn't enjoy so much. Well, we'll, you know what? We'll get to that in a second. Uh, I'd like to tell you about something I enjoyed this week. Will you look at that? It's, my goodness, if it isn't your pet bird who had the uh, unfortunate pancake accident. But if you notice, this bird is uh, well now. It's been fixed. It did not die after all. It was a coma. We didn't realize and you can see that the bird has, well, he lost his talons, but they're replaced with two of those, uh, like, leg blade things <laughs> that I think Oscar uh, Pretorius Pator- or whatever wore, uh, uh, which I shouldn't bring that up. But uh, and he, if he isn't skipping down the, the sidewalk there, very happy. His wings have, have healed. He's a happy bird. And... Uh, you know what? He's even gotten over his fears. He's walking into that diner, and uh, oh, I can't. I, you know what? I can't believe it. And neither can you. He's ordering pancakes. Good for you, bird. You got over your physical uh, ailments and your mental and emotional maladies as well. Oh, a happy ending to that ridiculous story that I, that I composed earlier. I enjoyed quite a few things this week. You know what? I want to tell you guys something. Um, some of you might consider this a confession. I, I, um, I One week we discussed guilty pleasures, and I kind of said, you know what? I look at them as just pleasures. I really don't have much guilt about uh, these things. But I want to mention a movie that uh, was not well-liked that I enjoyed over the week. This is not the, the main thing, but um, Kevin James, I think, sometimes gets a bad rap because he's done some silly stuff, Paul Blart and all that. I find him to be endlessly charming and really funny. And uh, yes, his movies aren't award winners, but uh, I typically have a good time watching them. And I recently watched his movie 
uh, Here Comes the Boom, where he plays a teacher who, in order to raise funds for his school, becomes an MMA fighter. And uh, it's not good, but it's so entertaining. It, it was, like, really enjoyable, and I got a big kick out of it. So uh, that's just – dude, if I were an 11-year-old watching Here Comes the Boom, I would have thought it was one of the greatest movies I ever saw. So not high praise necessarily, but if you like him and uh, you, you're in the, in the mood for something light and uh, something you could watch with, uh, you know, your 11 or 12-year-old or whatever, um, in my estimation, I'm not a parent. Maybe you have uh, more lax rules or, or stricter rules when it comes to what they watch. I think it's appropriate – don't yell at me if you're watching it and they say ass or something and you're mad about it, all right? It's up to you. But were I an 11-year-old boy watching Here Comes the Boom, I think I, it would have been one of my favorite movies. Uh, so for the 11-year-old uh, in all of us, maybe check it out. The movie that I thought uh, that really wowed me, though, this week um, is called The Mustang. And I, I uh, had been wanting to see it for a while. It came out in 2019. And I finally got a chance to watch it. Now I have to—I have to tell you guys something. This is something that Chick teases me a, a lot about in real life. And uh, he told—he recently uh, told uh, Willie Griswold about this, and uh, they both tease me now. But it's okay. I'm fine with it because I can't help the fact that this is a, a trait of mine. I—this <laughs> is for real. I am a total sucker. For horse movies, I, I this whatever the subgenre is. If there's a subgenre of called horse films, I'm I'm in. I love movies about horses. They, <laughs> I I am always they they uh, for whatever reason they hit me really hard emotionally. Um, I'm not a I'm not a big horse guy in my life. Meaning I don't often ride them and I don't often go see them and I don't. Have like this uh, yearning to own one. They're they're an incredible amount of work, but whenever I I have gone horse riding or whenever I um, see one, I do really enjoy. I really uh, like it, and for whatever reason, horse movies uh, they really they often fill and then break my heart. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know if in a past life. I was a horse, or I uh, at least uh, owned them or something. I'm also a, a huge fan of horse racing. Um, I think uh, some people might go, oh, well, Josh, man, you can't love horses and horse racing. Aren't they sort of whipping them and abusing them? I, no. I, the, to me, the, the uh, I, well, I, I think the flat-out answer is no. Yes, they're being whipped, but uh, what would hurt us isn't necessary. Look, I know there's an argument out there, all right? To me, that is there's nothing cruel about horse racing at all. In fact, it's kind of there's an, a really strong argument to be made, and I have read a fair amount about this that that's what the horses want to do, and that's what they are. You know what I mean? Like it's it's part of them. Racing is part of them. So, um, uh, I love horse racing, and I love horse movies, and the Mustang is. A horse movie, <laughs> and it I I loved it. It's uh it's got some actors you'll know, of course, Bruce Dern and Connie Britton, uh, and her hair. They're both in it. Uh, boy, Connie Britton, just a lovely woman, and um, a star turn by an actor that you may have seen in certain things, but you wouldn't. He's not a household name, but man, is he good, Matthias. Uh, and her his last name I have no idea how to pronounce. So I'm going to say Shanerst's 
Shainertz. It's uh, S-C-H-O-E-N-A-E-R-T-S. Uh, difficult name. I'm going to – Shaining – I think it's Shane and then Ertz. So that's what I'm going with. Matthias Shainertz. And he plays a man in prison, and he's been in prison for about a dozen years. He's a very violent individual. Um, not a murderer, but he's uh, he's got a mean streak. But we come to find out that uh, underneath his rugged exterior and behind that simmering anger uh, lies, uh, uh, you know, not necessarily a gentle soul, certainly a tortured soul, and certainly a man um, of honor. Uh, well, he's in this prison, and one of the programs that this prison offers is Equine rehabilitation. So what happens is, and this is true, throughout the American Midwest right now, today, there are uh, close to 100,000 wild Mustangs running free, which is, to me, just one of the most beautiful images there is. Can you imagine if you were somehow just walking through uh, the desert, say, in Arizona or New Mexico or, or someplace like that, um, Wyoming, and all of a sudden, you just saw a pack of horses running by. Like to me, that would be one of the more incredible sights you could see. Just the pure, uh, wild nature of it. I mean, that's incredible. And unfortunately, what happened? I say unfortunately because I love to picture these wild horses out there. Uh, but uh, apparently, for overpopulation reasons, and I kind of don't get this. I'd have to research it more. How can a desert be overpopulated? <laughs> um, I don't know what happens, but or, or why they feel the need to do this. But the the federal government actually does catch a fair, you know, every year they'll catch um, packs of these horses, and they will be trained to be riding horses or uh, work horses, and then auctioned off to farmers who need or want them, or um, even prospective. Horse owners who want to race them and breed them or whatever. So, um, well, this prison in this movie does that. They get these government captured horses and they are then rehabilitated or they are turned from wild into sort of tamer or, you know, not domesticated per se, but trained. They're trained horses and they're trained by prisoners. The idea being that, and apparently in real life, the facts show, the statistics show that a prisoner who works with horses is far less likely to be a repeat offender. There actually is some true rehabilitation that happens. So right there, you've already got this really interesting metaphor, essentially, for rehabilitation you've got a horse that's wild and um one could argue out of control and uh needs to be tamed well a prisoner is just the same isn't it in, in this case it's a, a a wild man who needs to be tamed and my gosh if they don't tame each other and so that's essentially what this movie is about this prisoner uh finds a, a, a particularly wild Mustang. I mean, this Mustang does not want to be trained. And he works with this horse and, uh, you know, has a, has a certain amount of time to get it auction ready. And we learn a lot about the, 
It's also one of the best prison movies I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> every you know, we've all seen terrific prison movies, Shawshank and whatnot. And every one of them, <laughs> you're reminded of, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I'd rather not <laughs> be in a prison. Um, and this one certainly has moments where you go, oh, boy, thank goodness I'm not there. But it's also easy to forget that these are real people, that these are real, uh, you know, men who have made mistakes. And some might be completely uh, lost. You know, there's nothing we can do with them. They're, they're, they're criminals and they always will be. But others do have the ability to change. And this movie reminds us of that. And, uh, yeah, well, it, it's got an ending that um, is hopeful and heartbreaking at the same time. I really recommend this movie, The Mustang. It's slow, all right? You're not going to get a ton of uh, action sequences in this. But I also love a slow movie. I think there's a certain poetry to the pacing and everything. Um, so if you can be patient with it and you can just enjoy a quiet uh, but really, at the same time, exciting movie. Oh, the, the Mustang. I really recommend it. And uh, I would love to know where where this this whole horse movie thing started with me. Uh, there are there's a whole list of um, those movies I love. Uh, the Rider, R I D E R. Boy, that thing just killed me when it came out four years ago or whatever. And uh, uh, another smaller movie that came out recently was called Lean on Pete, and that's a great horse movie. Uh, and then, then there are bigger ones. Hidalgo, I think, is a uh, really good movie about uh, is it Viggo Mortensen? He he's on in a this like cross country cross desert horse race, and uh, ah, boy, I just love them, love them. And uh, I also love books and movies about horse racing. And uh, yeah, I w- I wonder where that started. I wonder where that came from. And it reminded me, watching the Mustang, of a couple horse uh, <laughs> uh, stories from my life. Uh, I remember, I, look, I'm not a very coordinated man. I've never been uh, particularly athletic. I'm just not, my body is not in sync with itself. I'm <laughs> Whenever I do uh, I play sports or anything like that, um, I'm pretty awkward. And so, and I always have been, even as a kid, just an awkward uh awkward moving person um and one of the keys to riding a horse of course is balance and the horse needs to know that you're comfortable <laughs> and that you're you know you're fairly confident uh so horses have always been rather skittish around me because they can sense that i am uh an awkward <laughs> uncomfortable person so um and you know and every time i've gone horseback riding they've Whoever's in charge, so hey, relax, just relax. And uh, as soon as I've done that, then everything goes smoothly. But for whatever reason, I'm just, uh, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? Climbing on the back of this giant animal <laughs> to ride around. Well, I uh, was uh, lucky enough to go to, uh, to spend a semester of college uh, overseas. I, I lived in London, and I would travel a little bit. Because I only went to school Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. It was awesome. It was, it was just an awesome semester. And um, I borrowed money from my grandparents to be able to do this. And um, uh, went to England. And uh, so on those long weekends, I would travel. And one of the trips I took was to Wales to go pony trekking. And uh, 
That's just a fancy way of saying we rode horses in uh, in Wales. And so uh, the whole weekend was um, we, we stayed at this like B&B, this really quaint sort of uh, picturesque farmhouse on top of this gigantic hill. And uh, they had all these horses and we would ride. So we rode on Saturday and Sunday uh, to different places. And I got to see some beautiful Wales, Welsh uh, countryside. <laughs> and uh, the first day, well, the horse and I aren't uh, simpatico, as it were, because, again, I was nervous and awkward, and uh, the horse could sense it and didn't care for me being on its back. Uh, insert uh, fat joke here, if you like, about a horse not wanting me on its back. But I think it was it had more to do with um, uh, my awkwardness than it did my weight, all right? So, uh, we're, we're trekking, uh, through an area and all of a sudden my horse decides, um, it wanted to run. It didn't want to trot like, like the other horses. <laughs> now I blame a couple things on this. One was that the girl in front of me who, uh, um, was, you know what? There's no nice way to say this. A total loudmouth. I mean, she was just a blatherskite, and she was obnoxious and not particularly nice. And um, <laughs> and she would uh, often ruin conversations. <laughs> and so um, she, you know, some of us would be talking, and she would butt in with her uh, boring story or uh, obnoxious uh, opinions or whatever. And uh, she was on the horse uh, in front of me. We were all in a line. Going down this muddy trail. <laughs> this look, I'm going to. Uh, you're about to see a part of me that I'm not proud of. Uh, every now and again, you get you get a glimpse of ugly Josh, and you're about to get you're about to get a glimpse of him right now. So the the uh, loud, obnoxious girl uh, in front of me <laughs> did something that the horse <laughs> did not care for. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Maybe it tr- she tried to talk to it. Anyway, the horse reared back and uh, flung her from its back, (laughs) and she fell in uh, a very large mud puddle. (laughs) And and, uh, I shouldn't be laughing. That's that's ugly Josh right there, laughing at this happening. But there was... Uh, of anybody in that group, if somebody were to get kicked off a horse, if look, secretly, if somebody had said, hey, I'm going to make sure somebody's kicked off a horse on this trip. Uh, do you have any requests? I, I would have pointed to her. I would have. And <laughs> lo and behold, it happened. And so, uh, I mean, she landed in this. Everything about it was funny. <laughs> Who it was. And then. She landed in a mud puddle that was really deep, like for a mud puddle. You know what I mean? Like, it, I'm sure it wasn't a foot deep, but it. when she landed, it made the loudest splat noise and mud water, muddy water, <laughs> flew everywhere. <laughs> All right. And and uh, again, I apologize for, for Ugly Josh here, but what made Ugly Josh laugh really hard... <laughs> was the sound that she made <laughs> as the air was forced out of her lungs. <laughs> and then the breathing noises that she made as she was trying to re- – she lost – she got the wind knocked out of her. 
And for all of you, anybody who's ever seen that uh, that classic grape stomping video of the woman stomping the grapes and then she falls, and clearly the wind has been knocked out of her. <laughs> well, that's what this girl was going through. <laughs> all right, <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I I was. Uh, it was also, I look, I'll be totally, it was also a little scary. We didn't know if she was hurt. So uh, I, I I did a fine job stifling my initial reaction of bursting into laughter uh, because, uh, look, ugly Josh doesn't want to be seen. He knows he's ugly. And so, uh, <laughs> uh, so she was quickly checked on. Well, my horse decided... Uh, must have also felt, hey, you know what? She kind of got what she deserved, even if she didn't. But she, uh, he, he, he didn't care for her either. And so instead of stopping like all the other horses did, and I did pull back on the reins or whatever to get it to not move, it decided to walk around her on the ground and the people uh, uh, attending to her and her and just keep going. And uh, then it decided to uh, slowly but surely. It would speed up, it sped up and sped up until it was finally in a full sprint. And if you've ever uh, been on a horse that has gone into a full sprint, you quickly realize that you can't just sit on the horse. You will bounce off for sure. So we had been told that if the horse takes off, that you have to kind of stand, not, not stand but at least raise up off the saddle and um, kind of crouch there um, just off the saddle um, so that the your, your your ass is not just bouncing off the saddle until you, you're finally flung off. So I was able to do that, but I was not able to – first off, I, I guarantee I wasn't doing it gracefully. I mean, I, I should have, by all accounts, been thrown off this horse. But <laughs> – I was able to stay on it as it's running, and then I see that it's running towards these giant bushes. And I, in my head, I went, "Okay, it's it, the, a horse isn't going to just run into these bushes; it's going to stop." Um, well, it didn't, and it, it was not slowing down at all. And I went, "What the? Heck? I, I guess it's going to go around these things. I better uh, ready myself for a sharp turn." Well, I, I don't know why. I don't know why this happened. I I was not do, I was not riding it correctly. Of course, I didn't know what to do in the situation. Uh, so it didn't turn to avoid the bushes. It ran right into these bushes. I mean, so fast and so hard until finally it slowed down and stopped in the middle of this thicket. And slowly but surely, I began to. I, I, first off, I was scared to death. And uh, part of me thought, well, this is what you get. You you wanted to laugh at that girl who <laughs> fell in the mud puddle. Uh, th- th- this is this is your your revenge. And so uh, I um, started to realize after my fear was subsiding and knowing that the horse wasn't going to run off anymore, that I was in uh, a fair amount of pain. And I went, what? And then I realized that this thicket, these bushes, had. The biggest thorns I've ever seen. Just an inch long and, like, I would compare them to shark's teeth. <laughs> like, I've never felt shark's teeth. Well, you know what I mean. You've, you, 
see them at gift stores. They weren't as wide, but they were like little shark's teeth, and they were, I mean, dozens were buried in my legs. <laughs> Many of them had gone through my jeans. Now, some of them were just stuck to the jeans, and they weren't actually poking skin, but there were plenty that were that were in the skin. And <laughs> I'm looking down going... All right, I am uh, I'm trapped in this bramble or whatever, and I didn't know how to get the horse out. And uh, so finally, somebody, one of the uh, professionals, came up to the to the the big bushes and saw me in the middle of them and said, "Hey, uh, I, I, we'll, we'll get you out of this or whatever." And I said, "Okay, there are a lot of thorns." And uh, the guy goes, "Oh, I know," <laughs> and. Uh, he knew that it must have sucked uh, being being in there. I didn't I didn't notice that the horse was uh, affected by the thorns at all. I, I would imagine they have a tougher hide or whatever. Uh, and anyway, eventually the horse, you know, the guy told me how to kind of pull the reins and all this. And the horse uh, went forward and walked out uh, of the, the bushes. Uh, all the while, the thorns are ripping at me. <laughs> And uh, my legs and uh, calves and shins and stuff. And and um, but but we get out. And I did have to pick a fair amount of thorns out. Some of them stayed on the bush and released uh, my skin. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I like to think that that was justice for uh, me laughing at, at uh, the girl who fell in the mud puddle. The rest of the trip, lovely. Just lovely. Uh, after that, there were no other incidences w- with my horse. Man, I know I have a picture with that horse. I've got to find it. Um, uh, I will. It's me standing next to that horse. And uh, I think the picture was taken pre-thorn bush. I don't remember. But if I find it, I will post it on my, my Instagram. Uh, the other horse story I would like to tell you about and again uh you know ugly josh doesn't necessarily come out in this but idiot dumb bad kid josh does and uh uh here's what happened when i was in high school there were a couple ways to get alcohol um well a few i guess you could you could steal it from your parents um which I could never do. We didn't have a liquor cabinet or anything like that in my house. My parents didn't really drink. And uh, if we ever had beer, um, it was it, w- it would not go unnoticed that there was some beer missing. Um, so I couldn't really take beer from, from my house. Occasionally my friends would uh, do the old uh, steal a bottle of liquor and then fill it up with something else after that. <laughs> Uh, you know, if it was whiskey, they'd put like iced tea in it, or they would just add water and try to dilute it, whatever. But one of the uh, ways we would do it is you could, um, shoulder tap is what we called it, what it was called, uh, it, in my school or whatever, where you would stand outside a gas station. And when you saw an adult walking in, uh, you would say, Hey, if I give you money, would you buy beer for us? Most of the time people wouldn't, they didn't want to be an accessory, <laughs> Uh, to any potential uh, things that could happen. But sometimes they would. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll buy it for you. And you would tell them what they wanted and give them the money. And usually, uh, let's say, let's say, I'm just, I know this isn't the case, but let's say a 12-pack were $6. Uh, 
1994 or whatever, or 1996, whenever we were doing this, um, uh, you would give them a 10 and go just keep the change. And uh, so they would make a little money doing this or whatever. And so uh, you could get beer that way. There were times where we were able just to buy it ourselves. One of my buddies, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Jason, was uh, his hair. He was going bald really early. His hair started receding like when he was like 16. So he had thin receding hair and... He could, there were some gas stations he could walk in, grab a 12 pack, and walk and buy it. And he would not get carded because he looked more mature. We also found out the key to that because I was able to do this every now and again too. Um, The key to buying beer when you, and just hoping that you didn't get carded, was to just walk in, grab the beer. And put it on the counter like you've been there before, like you've done this in the past. The error that we that we made the first few times we tried this <laughs> was to go in and window shop for a while. We would browse the chip aisle, or we would look at uh, that weird like toy, half toy, half medicine aisle in a in a gas station or whatever. And then all of a sudden, go ah, oh, you know what? While I'm here, I might as well go grab. A, a, a case of beer and then what like that was it's a dead giveaway nobody buying beer at a gas station shops first they know what beer they want they know where it is they walk in and they get it and they <laughs> they take it right to the counter as soon as we learned that act like we'd been there before our our uh chances of getting beer went went up astronomically so there were those ways of getting uh of beer there was one story <laughs> this one kid a couple kids in my high school uh his name was Ryan, and uh, he and his buddy decided that they were they they had the ultimate plan to buy beer. <laughs> so they they their plan was they dressed Ryan dressed his buddy up in an old man costume. So they uh, they took clothes that an old man might wear, and then they took an old man Halloween mask and they put <laughs> the kid wore it. <laughs> and, he walked in. Now, Ryan said that from afar, it looked fairly convincing that, oh, there's an old guy. But in all reality, it was a 17-year-old in a mask and uh, an old, what, what they thought were old man clothes. So he, he the kid walks in there, <laughs> and he's walking. He, he, he apparently is not pretending, like he's not walking slower or <laughs> anything like that. He's walking like a, a spry 17-year-old, and he walks in. Grab some beer, <laughs> and he walks to the counter and he goes, "Hey, how you doing?" And the mask doesn't like the mouth doesn't even move. It's just got that little slit for air in there. <laughs> so immediately, the woman behind the counter picks up the phone and calls the cops because she thinks she's being robbed by by a man in a mask. She doesn't think it's just some stupid kid trying to get away with buying beer. So he had to run out of there. <laughs> Oh, that poor lady was probably scared to death thinking that she was being held up. So anyway, (laughs) um, the other way to get beer was something that we called garaging. So what we would do is hop in a car and drive around neighborhoods on a Friday night or whatever and look for open garages and particularly open garages um, with a refrigerator in them. So 
We'd be driving down uh, through a neighborhood. We oh, there's a garage that's open right there, and uh, uh, so we would park, uh, you know, a couple houses down, and then two. Uh, there were usually four of us in the car, and <laughs> two would uh, go out, and two would stay in the car. So uh, <laughs> you would get out of the car, walk into this open garage, and if there was a fridge, you would open the fridge, and if there was beer in it, you would grab it and run back to the car, and we would race away. Uh, Josh, isn't that uh, burglary and theft? Y- yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. These were crimes, and uh, we were dumb. <laughs> we were dumb high schoolers, uh, and uh, yes, we were committing crimes. So, um, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, though, and uh, I, I, I'm not suggesting anybody do that. If you're if you're a young kid, don't do this. All right, and I, and you're going to learn why here in a little bit, but. Uh, the thrill, the th- I mean, the thrill of, uh, it was just nonstop. The excitement just stacked up on itself. So you'd be excited when you saw an open garage. And then you'd be excited when you realized there was a fridge in that garage. Then you'd be excited when there was beer in that fridge. And when you took it and you, <laughs> you, you ran, I'm telling you, the rush was unbelievable. Uh, I, I'm just not going to lie to you. It was incredible. There was nothing like it. Um, and, uh, then we would go and sit in somebody's backyard and drink the beer. It, it was, it was, uh, amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, I am not condoning, uh, any criminal activity. I don't even know. I don't know if I have to say that, but I am, uh, I am not condoning it, but, uh, boy, anyway, we would do. And sometimes, uh, it was more thrilling than others because, <laughs> All right, this is ugly Josh again. <laughs> you would creep into the garage, and there were times where we could hear people having dinner. <laughs> the family was having dinner just on the other side of that door that leads out to the garage, and we could hear them talking, and we would be robbing them. And, uh, I mean, it's crazy, crazy, all right? And so, so one night... We're out garaging, and uh, we come across well, – it's it's a slow night. We're just not finding – we found a couple open garages, but there were no fridges, and then we found one with a fridge, and there was no beer in it and all that. So finally, we're uh, in this one neighborhood, and <laughs> we come across an open garage, and we see not only a fridge in there, but like – three coolers sitting near the fridge and they were arranged in a way where it wasn't like, Oh, that's just where they keep their coolers. There was clearly, um, a bounty in there. I mean, there was like, there was a, and there were quite a few cars outside this house. So there was a party going on and they were leaving all the drinks in the garage. So, uh, two of us park. I stay in the car this time and I forget who's driving. And, uh, um, oh, I remember it. My friend, Nick, my friend, Nick is driving. And so he and I stay in the car and uh, my buddy, Jason and my buddies, Jason and Tim get out and they go up to the house and they come running back with, uh, a cooler each and (laughs) they come they come sprinting or sprinting around like a corner or whatever because we were a few houses away. And uh, 
they they uh, are yelling, uh, open the doors, open the doors. And so we open the doors and they throw the coolers in the back and they uh, and they get in and we we drive away. And we're hooting and hollering, of course, and like idiot kids would do will do. And uh, they go, we got to go back. And Nick and I are like, what do you mean we got to go back? And uh, Jason, either, I don't remember who it was, but either Jason or Tim said, there's so much more back there. We need to get it all and we can sell a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick and I go, well, of course, that's what we have to do. So we go back. We go back to that same house and Tim and Jason hop out and uh, they successfully get the other cooler and the alcohol that was in the fridge. And I remember there was a case of Zima and Jason was particularly excited because that at the time was his drink of choice. So they uh, they come out with the rest of the booze that was in that garage. They get in, and we race away. And, I mean, this is the score to end all scores. We, we couldn't believe how much booze we had. And sure enough, we went, okay, we've got this ma- th- these many beers and uh, th- this, th- these bottles of booze and this Zima and everything. And yes, we can uh, let we can call some some of our classmates and let them know. Hey, if you're looking for booze this weekend, we've got it and we'll sell it to you. So, um, that's what we ended up doing. We didn't have cell phones. This was like pre cell phone. There were there were like um, I mean there were cell phones, but n- not everybody had them. It was one of those things that like y- your parents had and they would give it to you if you were. Go like, hey, call us when you know if there's an emergency. Like there was that kind of thing, because it was also in the day of cell phones when, if I remember correctly, every minute cost money and uh, um, it wasn't cheap or whatever. So uh, we went to oh, we decided we were going to go find some shoulder tappers and go. Hey, you don't have to do this. We've got beer for you, and we did. We went to this gas station and uh, we saw some guys there, and we went, hey, we'll sell you beer. And we ended up selling them like a case of beer or whatever. So not only did we were we riding high because we got this giant score, but we also were making a profit. And we had we had money to uh, for Taco Bell later that night or whatever. And so um, we had one problem though: where were we going to go to drink? We did not look. If there was one redeeming quality of of us little criminal hooligans at the time, it was that we didn't drink and drive. We refused to. We um, we knew how dangerous it was, and we also we just knew how stupid it was. So we never. We always wanted to go. Okay, uh, let's park somewhere, leave our cars, and drink somewhere where we can all walk home. Uh, that kind of thing. Well, we decided uh, we could we could not find a place. Everybody's parents were at home. Um, it was early enough on this night that we couldn't go to like a, uh, there were a couple backyards that we would go to, but, uh, it was just too early for that. Um, and there was a, uh, also a public park that we used to go to, but we decided against that because we had so much booze with us that we didn't want to get caught. And so, um, meaning that if we had like a bottle, we could chuck it, uh, 
and uh, if if we were if the cops were there, we could go. Like, yeah, we're just sitting here on the swings. Um, but in this case, we had these giant coolers, and and the and also this public park was nowhere near where we could walk home. So, my buddy Nick at the time worked at some stables. He he uh, he worked at a horse ranch where people would go and uh, ride horses on the weekends or whatever. So he worked there, and he would uh, he always worked with the horses, and he would clean them, and he would. Uh, clean out the stables and all that stuff. He goes, why don't we just go to uh, the the stables and drink there? And we were like, we can? And he was like, yeah, yeah, we'll just go there. He goes, we shouldn't, but nobody's going to be there, and uh, we can just kind of chill out or whatever. And we're like, this is perfect. So we go to his the, the stables, and we and it was off the beaten path. They, it was near... We could walk home from him, but it was going to be a long walk, but we didn't care. So <laughs> we go we go to these stables. We unload the coolers, and we put them in the middle of uh, the horse stables. So there are like um, 10 stalls on one side and 10 stalls on the other, and there are horses in them, and we park ourselves right in the middle, and uh, we're sitting on the coolers, and we're drinking, and we, we're having a great time just laughing and talking, you know, High school boys, we were uh, talking about whatever, and just we, we were living it up. And Nick was kind of showing us the, some of the horses or everything. And there was one horse that didn't care for us being there at all, at all. Didn't like it. Was winning at us and stomping, and you could tell it just was really agitated. And so we moved away from it. We we ended up kind of moving down. Uh, f- farther stalls o- away from it, and um, it still didn't. You could t- still tell it was really uneasy. Well, as we're drinking, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Tim, uh, is he walks over to this one door and he goes, "What's this?" And Nick goes, "Don't touch that door. That's the main office, and uh, there's a silent alarm on it. So just don't." And Tim goes, "Oh." Well, I leaned up against it. Nick goes, ah, it'll be fine. Well, unbeknownst to us, unbeknownst to us, rather, he triggered the silent alarm. So we had no idea that as we were enjoying ourselves, the police were automatically called. So <laughs> we're sitting there talking and laughing, and all of a sudden, there's a flashlight on us. And... uh we look up, and off in the distance, there's a police officer walking towards us, and he's got his flashlight on us. And he says something very, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was along the lines of hold it right there, that kind of thing. Uh, it may have been those words. I don't really remember. Uh, and uh, we, one of us, it was not me, I don't remember, started to run, and the police officer said, hold it right there again, and they stopped, and we all just sat, and then we all just kind of slumped down on the coolers, and the police officer walked up and was like, you know, what do we have here? What's going on? And Nick said, sir, I, I work here, and uh, we're just um, hanging out, and the guy said, well, you tripped a silent alarm. Are you supposed to be here now? And uh, and Nick said, no. Uh, not really. It's a, it's definitely after hours, but, you know. And then the police officer got a good look at us. And he said, how old are you guys? <laughs> and we said, high school. Uh, we confessed to being underage. 
And he said, where did you get all this beer and all these drinks? And uh, I don't remember who said it again, but somebody said, oh, this stuff was just here. When we, when we got here to hang out, we found these coolers. And, <laughs> and the cop looked at the coolers and he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I'm, I'm not kidding. He pulled out his little notebook and he flipped it open. And he goes, he's looking at his notebook and he said, Red Coleman. And then he looked at the coolers we had and he said, Red Coleman. And then he looked back and he goes, Blue Igloo. And he looked back at our coolers, Blue Igloo. And he says, you know, I was just called to a house that was having a party. And all of their beer had been stolen from their garage. And they described the coolers to me. And... You guys have the exact same coolers. <laughs> Mother, we couldn't believe it. This, that, that Not only had we been caught by the police, we had been caught by the same cop that had just gone to the house that was robbed by us. And uh, he got it all out of us that we had garaged that home and then come here. And uh, he couldn't. He he was beside himself. He was smiling and laughing because he he had also told us that he had told those people, uh, you know what? There's nothing I'm going to be able to do. There's no way we'll find this beer. There's no way we'll find your. <laughs> so he handcuffs us, and uh, he had also called for backup. Uh, so another cop showed up, and uh, they they handcuffed all of us, and so uh, the four of us are sitting there in handcuffs, and. Uh, we know that we're screwed, and uh, rightfully so. I mean, this is what we get. <laughs> and so uh, he says, all right, well, I'm going to take you to uh, the police station up here, and you'll have to call your parents, and uh, they'll decide what to do. Now, I had already known what my parents were going to do. My dad had always said that if I ever do anything uh, and land in, and land myself in jail, that he's going to let me spend the night there. He always said that. He's going to say, I'm not getting you until the next morning. <laughs> So in my head, I'm going, well, I'm spending the night in a jail. <laughs> so uh, what ends up, what they end up doing is taking us to a substation. It wasn't actually a jail. They didn't, they didn't have cells in it. It was uh, a police substation. And so they go, you have to call your parents. And, uh, boy, we're, we're all just miserable, of course. I mean, this is just a terrible, we're scared to death. Uh, it's just awful. So we each call our parents, and I remember I had to call my parents, and uh, I my dad answered the phone. It was like midnight or something at this point, and I said, "Dad, I'm in jail. You have to come get me." And he said, "Oh yeah, very funny or whatever." Because there were times where I would uh prank my dad. I would like if I was out, I would call and go, "Hey, Dad." Uh, I I don't remember what exactly what the pranks were. But um, they were always something kind of ridiculous, so he knew they were pranks right away. <laughs> and then I would go, no, actually, I'm over at uh, Jason's. I'm going to spend the night if that's all right. And he, yeah, yeah. So uh, in this case, he goes, yeah, right. And I go, no, Dad, I'm, I'm serious. We are at the Valley Park. Well, that was the name of the area <laughs> substation. And uh, I, we, we got caught with beer, and um, the police officers want you to come come here. I'm with Jason and Tim and Nick, and we're all in trouble. And he was like, you're serious? And I was like, yes, yes. 
He's like, okay, we're coming to get you. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, that he, he said, let me speak to a, a police officer. And so he did, and I distinctly remember hearing the officer go, <laughs> uh, yes, sir, yes, yes. And then he might, the police officer goes, no, we don't have any cells here, so you're going to have to come get them. My dad told him I want him to stay there. He said I want him to stay overnight. He followed through with his threat. So anyway, the next 10 minutes were awful. Some of the worst ever for me for, in my life. Knowing that I was ashamed and embarrassed and, and sad and, and uh, scared. And just waiting for my parents to get there was the worst. But lo and behold, you know, as we're sitting there, uh, Nick's parents come in and they walk into a conference room <laughs> where, where the police officer was waiting. And, uh, and then Jason's parents come in. And that was tough because Jason's stepdad was a, was a detective. And so he comes in steaming mad and just starts yelling and screaming. And Jason bursts into tears. And it, we're just like, oh, my. And the, and his stepdad's going, do you know how much trouble you're in? And all the, <laughs> oh, my God. And then Tim's parents. And finally, my parents come in. My dad doesn't even look at me. He just goes right into the conference room. And my mom kind of looked at me, but they were both ashamed. They were ashamed because all of our, we were generally good kids and all of our parents, you know, we're like, we, what did, we had done a pretty good job with these guys. What the hell happened here? So, uh, they go in and, um, talk to the police officer. Meanwhile, another police officer comes out and says, we have contacted the homeowners of, uh, you know, the people you stole from. They're coming here <laughs> to pick up their coolers, and uh, um, they're not happy. And we we're like, okay. And they go, and the cop said, so you're going to load up the coolers into their car. <laughs> and we we're like, oh my god, this is so rough. So finally, after a few minutes, this woman walks in, and she goes, "I'm here for my uh, coolers and and stuff," and. Um, she uh, is. She goes. You know what? My husband was going to come. He decided he couldn't. He was so angry. He didn't know what he would do to you guys. <laughs> we were like, "Oh my god!" So we had to walk outside, and this lady's just giving us the business as she had every right to do. You know, uh, uh, telling us about how how we ruined their party and about what criminals we were, and and about how she, uh, you know, our parents must be so so ashamed and all. And we're just putting the coolers in her trunk, and she's just going on and on. And and uh, finally, she says, uh, I'm not going to press charges, just so you guys know. And we were like, thank you, thank you. And she says something else, and then Nick made a joke. I don't remember what the joke was. Oh, I, I it was something along the lines of, hey, the next time you have a party, give us a call. Something like that. It was something... Really stupid. <laughs> and uh, later on, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. We get uh, letters in the mail saying that they are going to press charges. And uh, we found out that the lady, that they were not going to press charges until Nick said that. And then they went, you know what? We're pressing charges. <laughs> so we lost our minds on Nick when we found that out.
We're like, you stupid smart ass. And I love Nick. He's one of my best. I was best man at his wedding. And uh, But he occasionally had a big mouth. And so that, that uh, anyway. Finally, uh, my parents, you know, we, we go home. We each go home with our parents. And uh, what, what, I'm, for, what, I'm, for what I forgot to tell you, though, and this is, the, this is kind of where the horse comes in. When we were handcuffed and leaving that stable, I'm not making this up. And uh, if I could get Tim or Jason or Nick in here, they would tell you the exact same thing. As we are being handcuffed and ushered out of that stable, the horse that hated us, that was like really skittish and uneasy with us being there, made a noise, like kind of like a you know a typical horse noise, and we looked over, and uh, you're going to think I'm crazy, all right? I'll be damned if that horse wasn't sitting as coolly and calmly, standing there, coolly and calmly, if it wasn't smiling, it was smiling. And I, one of us said, look at the horse. And I'm not kidding. The police officer looked at it and looked at us and said, I think that horse is smiling at you. <laughs> we couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Um, I would love to talk. I've got to talk to a horse professional and go, is this possible? Was this horse feeling something? Um, I, I've got to find out. I tend to think it was. I think horses are, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, the dolphins of the land. I think they, I, I think they, they feel and see a lot more than we we know. So, uh, long story short, too late. We, uh, what ended up happening is I got home, and um, my parents said we're going to bed. Uh, we'll talk to you about this in the morning. Oh, the worst thing they could have said. Because now I had all night to dread what they were going to say to me and what my punishment was going to be. Well, it turned out that my punishment was uh, grounded indefinitely. Couldn't leave the house indefinitely. And that was always my dad's move, to ground us indefinitely. Because what that meant was <laughs> we were grounded until he was sick of us. So what used to happen before the whole indefinitely thing was he would go, you're grounded for two weeks. Well, by day six, he'd be so tired of us being in the house that he would go, your grounding is over. All right. And we would think we were, oh, OK. Uh, but he didn't want to let us. He didn't he didn't want to be seen as weak or whatever, that, that he would back off his punishment. So then it became indefinitely. <laughs> and he would go, it's indefinitely. It could be a year. It could be two days. I'll let you know. <laughs> So I was grounded indefinitely, and man, we got in trouble. We didn't only uh, get in trouble with uh, the law. The, the law ended up, we ended up uh, getting, we got slaps on the wrist, all right? They pressed charges, and the case went to um, the, uh, it went to the courts, but we didn't have to go or whatever, and the court decided this is a first offense. They're all pretty good students. They're good kids. They made a mistake, and we got off with a warning, and I, I can't believe it. Um, we probably should have been, <laughs> got, like, uh, what, the community service or something. But, no, we all got off with a warning. But we had to tell our school because uh, in 1995 or 96, whenever this was, there were police officers that, would, that were at our school all day. Like, there was a school police officer just to make sure everything was okay. And... We and my parent, all, all of our parents had this meeting, and they said, "Hey, that officer is going to find out about this, and it's going to get around. We need to have our kids just fess up to their 
uh, extracurricular uh, teachers and stuff like that on their own. And we did, and man, I remember I was removed from... Uh, uh, well, we were all, we were all in show choir, and we were all suspended from that. We originally we were kicked out, and then we were changed. The, the guy, our uh, teacher, changed his mind and said, "You're all suspended for the rest of the year." <laughs> so what would happen is we would have to dress out. We would have to dress up in our show choir outfits, like the little tuxedos or whatever, and go to performances and sit on the sidelines. <laughs> it was awful, and then. Uh, Nick was president of student council and he got ousted. <laughs> he had to resign. And I was in, I was a representative in student council. And uh, I remember being at the big meeting, like this big kind of assembly where he resigned. He had, he had to go up to a podium <laughs> and say, Hey, I, 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 as your student council president, I did these things and I'm resigning. And, uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, we all got in, to- in a ton of trouble at school and all this stuff. So, eh, boy, oh, boy. Uh, I, I, we never garaged again, I can tell you that. And uh, I have to say, as thrilling as it was to do, I do not recommend it because the trouble you're going to – honestly, it could have gone a lot worse. We had no idea who we were robbing. We could have – I mean, we were breaking and entering. We were – it was burglary and robbery. Like the list of things that we did was insane. That's when I learned that like robbery and burglary are different and that breaking and entering are different. Is like They're not all the same crime. There's like a bunch of them. And uh, it could have been, a, we could have gotten our asses. Who knows? So anyway, uh, that was, uh, yeah, just an idiotic move. And um I, w- I felt really, really guilty about it for a long time, and part of me still has some guilt, but that brings me to what I would like for us to work on this week. Boy, oh boy. If, uh, if you're currently a thief stealing beer from people's homes, what I'd like for you to work on this week is to stop doing that. <laughs> but otherwise, what I think uh, we could do this week together, um, you know, we'll all do it, I mean, but it's obviously going to be a, a personal thing for you, uh, is I mentioned having some guilt about my adolescent indiscretions. Um, I think this week would be a good time for all of us to think about something that we still feel a little guilty about that we did when we were young and and uh, and less intelligent and uh, with less impulse control and um, think about what you still kind of feel guilty for and forgive yourself. Let yourself know, hey, that me is not the me now and I messed up and I've got to free myself of this guilt. Uh, forgive yourself for something that you've done, and and quite honestly, it's probably something that really felt like the end of the world to you then. I know being arrested felt that way to me. I thought my life was over, but no, no, um, n- not the case. It, it, it was a big deal, you know, relative to my life then, but in the grand scheme of things, yes, I made mistakes, I made, and uh, yes, I, I did some wrongs, but I can't hang on to that forever. I, I've learned and I've grown and I've, I'd, I'd say I've become a better person. Um, 
because I got in trouble. That so I'm going to forgive myself for that and a few other things. And uh, I think you should too. I think I think it's time that there's something that you're feeling guilty for. That uh, hey, you you've punished yourself enough. You don't need to feel so bad about it anymore. Just know that it was wrong and know that it was a mistake and and go ahead and let it go. And I personally don't think that you need to involve whoever else was uh, was was there or a part of it. What I mean is, there's uh, um, I remember I'll, I'll just I'll just kind of spill my guts here. I was really mean to a girl once at a party, and uh, it was all verbal. I, I I was just teasing her incessantly, publicly, and uh, I was it it was. Uh, I, I don't, she, you know what, why, you know why? Because my buddies and I showed up at her house that she was having a party and we showed up and we weren't invited and she asked us to leave every right to do that. All right. I went to that party because my, my younger brothers were there. And, uh, um, so, so, uh, while I wasn't invited, it wasn't like we just showed up at a random house. There was a reason that we went, but she didn't want us there. And she asked us to leave. There were too many people in her house and we weren't, Part of the uh, guest list. So I didn't uh, take kindly to that, and I started making fun of her. And uh, I, man, I really feel guilty about it. But here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to find her on social media or ask my brother, hey, do you still do you happen to have her number or anything like that? And um, And apologize to her now because it was 24 years ago. Or, or something like that, and I believe that she doesn't remember it. And for me to bring it back up and to remind her of a time where somebody was really making her feel bad, I think is selfish. I don't think it's fair. She is, I I would venture to guess, has long forgotten about that, and uh, I can feel uh, apologetic. Um, I can be sorry without having to remind her of an unpleasant time. I really do. I think it would be selfish of me to to uh, contact her and go, hey, remember that time when I really made fun of you in front of a bunch of people? She'd go, you know what? I didn't, but now I do. And, uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I hope you feel better for saying sorry, sorry to me 25 years after the fact. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she'd like to hear it. And maybe if I ever ran into her, I I would bring it up. But uh, I I don't know, man. I don't know. I I think that's uh, this is for me to forgive myself eventually, and and uh, and not drag her back into my, my ugliness. At, you know, at that time. So what I'm saying is, this week, just forgive yourself for uh, whatever it is that still kind of nags at you, and uh, and if you need help with that. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody uh, smarter than me and, uh, um, yeah, talk it out. But not necessarily – I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that is uh, really all I have to say this week. Thank you for being here and uh, sharing this uh, day with me, and we will talk again soon.